We're back with another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. We've been talking about the pot bubble. And Ron, in your career of almost four decades in the financial business, you saw a lot of these bubbles. You know what they're like. They can be tremendously painful for people because you get in, you get the excitement going, oh, this marijuana industry is going to be huge. Everybody gets in. They hear anecdotally about people making piles of money, so they get in there and it's already too late, and then it goes the other way. So we're taking a look at some of the warning signs you should be thinking about to recognize a bubble. We left off. Let's talk about disregarding similar historical events. You know, Mark Twain is often credited as saying, history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. In other words, history might not unfold exactly as it did in the past, but there are often similarities if you take the time to look. And a classic example of that is prohibition that was really instituted by the uh, religious right back in the, the late 20s. And it prohibited the consumption of alcohol in the U.S. Well, by 1932, it began floating around that the legislation prohibiting the consumption of alcohol could be lifted the following year or repealed the following year. So between the late 1920s and 1930s, companies that made booze essentially converted their production to industrial alcohol. And there was many companies in the U.S. that were producing industrial alcohol and they had their stocks listed on the market. And so... As soon as that rumor floated around, investors said, you know, this is going to be a great place because these companies producing industrial alcohol are going back to produce booze for consumption for retail investors. And, of course, that's much, much more profitable. So all of a sudden you saw share prices double, triple, even quadruple during the following year. But two months before Prohibition was repealed, these stocks peaked, and this would be the summer of 1933. And I've got a graph here that wonderfully, wondrously illustrates this. So after that date, share prices were literally cut in half over the next 12 months. And this chart, if you overlay a chart of what happened in the cannabis industry, the same thing. In October, when cannabis was legalized, this is really when cannabis stocks peaked. And then after that, they fell literally 50, 75%. They took a huge beating. And so the moral of the story is that you've got to look to the past because there's often cases in the past where you'll find very similar things happening. And if the person had taken the time to just look at what happened during Prohibition, they would have seen that virtually the same hype was being built into the cannabis bubble, as was built into the booze bubble back 90 years ago. Okay, and we talked, we touched on this briefly. We talked about people who rode the thing up and then have ridden it back down. Never selling can be a problem in one of these, right? Yeah, never selling is, uh, can be a huge problem. What happens is that you talk to people that are really experienced, and these are people that often have been in the mining stock game. And so mining takes a long time to develop. Once you stake out a property, 
then you have to drill and you have to do assays and figure out exactly what you've got. And that takes numerous seasons of drilling. So when a property is staked, there's lots of rumors that project about it. And that pushes the stock way higher, especially when some of the news starts trickling out that some of the initial drilling cores are really fabulous. But then when they come out and they have all the numbers assayed and they come out and give you a projection on how profitable this is going to be or whether there's actually a pathway to commercialization, usually you don't want to hang on to the stock until after that announcement's made. You want to sell prior to that announcement because often once the announcement's made, even if it's good, all the news is built into the stock price, and that news is generally reflecting higher valuations than even a good assay report will tell you. And often the stock drops like a stone. So the news in the sector is not an indication of that you should be holding on to it. People that are really good at trading junior stocks will all tell you the same thing. You buy on rumor and you sell before the news. So you get out and you wait on the sidelines. And that's a lesson people could have learned, certainly, in the marijuana business. Okay, the other key here is, and this is the one that, that drew my attention and made me kind of stay away, was you look at the number of people that were competing in this sector and you thought, holy smokes, like, no pun intended, uh, you know, where are we going to, how are you going to divvy this up and everybody's going to make money? There's so many of you in the game here. I went to a website called marijuana.com to see how many cannabis companies were listed at year end. So this is four or five months ago now. And according to my quick count, I found over 300 publicly traded companies that were trading on exchanges in Canada and the U.S. This new huge number does not include literally the hordes of private companies that have sprung up to service this industry. Now, according to Statistica, and this is a 2017 number, that there are between 20 and 28,000 businesses in total in the U.S., just the U.S. alone, that are involved in the cannabis industry. And that number, I'm sure, grew a lot since then, and has probably come back a bit, but it reminds me of the Yukon Gold Rush in the 1890s where there was just way too many miners and way too few claims, and you could only expect a few winners. There will be some winners, but considering how many companies are in this business, the fallout rate is going to be large. Okay, and we've heard this song before. This time it's going to be different. <laughs> You know, John Templeton was famous for saying that the four most expensive words in the English language are this time is different. And so you were hearing the same narrative when we had the Japanese real estate bubble in 1989, uh, the savings and loan crisis in 1991, the Asian tiger and Russian meltdown in 1998, the tech bubble in 2000, the banking crisis in 07, the oil and gas meltdown in 2014, the Bitcoin and cannabis bubble in 2018, 2019, they all rose on hype and collapsed when the reality could not match the fantasy, and it was all built on, no, this time is different. We've learned so much from the past that we will not 
revisit all the same mistakes we did in the past, but it is never distant, different. Okay. When a bubble goes up, it bursts. Okay, so the final point we want to make here is that you should learn the specific lesson, but not the overarching one. Yeah, people never seem to get the big picture. So when the Asian tigers blew up, they said, I will never invest in Asia again. When the tech sector blew up, they said, I will never invest in the tech sector again. When the financials blew up, they said, I will never invest in tech again. Oil and gas blew up. They said the same thing. So they decided they weren't going to invest in tech, but then they jumped right into financials and rode the bubble all the way up. So they don't look at the overall lesson, which is don't invest in bubbles. Or if you're in a bubble, get out of the bubble. You know, they look at the specific thing they're in, and they're saying, well, I'm never going to go back there again. And, of course, when they didn't go back into tech, they missed the big march upward. So you've got to learn the overarching lesson, which is don't invest in bubbles. And like we did this case study on the pot sector, there's so many telltale signs along the way that flash warning lights, and you've got to pay attention to those. Okay, so there you go. The pot bubble, I guess we could say we're living it right now, but it's, uh, it's one that there are many lessons to be gleaned from, so pay attention. Again, you can go back and check out part one if you missed it. You can uh, go to letsmakemoney.ca. All our shows are archived there. Ron, we always uh, point out the fact that we invite our listeners to send us questions, and we got one here from John. He asks, uh, what are your thoughts on NVU.UN, which is, is a real estate trust, is it not? Yes, it's a real estate investment trust that invests in, par- in apartments, rental apartments across the country. They have a buyout offer on the table at about $36.25. The stock's around $34. Uh, management has voted in favor unanimously and the board to accept the offer. I own shares in this. I can't tell you what to do because I'm no longer an advisor, but I can tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tender my shares to the cash offer, take the cash, move to the sidelines, see how the dust settles, and I'd like to put it back into a REIT somewhere, but I've got to look for valuations that make sense to me And right now, I think the markets are a little high again. So when I take my cash, it's to move to the sidelines and see what happens. Yeah, this was Northview, by the way. I I gave you the symbol, but I didn't mention the name of the company. So that's that's Ron's take on that one. And one other one here, and we might be able to spend a minute or two on this. We had a question from Daryl. What sectors and companies do you think will survive and thrive in a post-pandemic environment? Boy, that's, that's kind of a tough one, isn't it? Yes, but I think there are certain types of industries that will do well. And one of them is the pharmaceutical industry. Because, A, we have to find solutions to the COVID virus, whether it's a vaccine, it's some kind of medication, and that's going to be very, very profitable for healthcare institutions. The second thing I would look at is the defense industry. I know it isn't exactly politically correct or very popular, but you look at the rising rhetoric between China and the United States, between the West and China, and we're beginning to realize that 
China's not the big, cuddly panda bear that we originally thought them to be. And, of course, China's spending a great deal of money upgrading their military to be a competitive threat in Asia and certainly in Africa. And you can be sure that the United States will move to match that military uh, advancement and the advancement of Russia with increased military spending. So if that happens, stocks that are defense stocks should do very well. And the third sector I would pay attention to is good old telecommunications. Uh, During the pandemic, you found that you were spending a lot more time online reaching out to friends. The amount of time you spent, because you had the extra time, to look for videos and uh, YouTube and and all the other things. And I don't think that's going to go away, especially with the streaming services that are coming online. And more and more people are moving to, to these streaming services. Those pipelines that carry data and carry information, which are generally owned by the big telecommunications companies, are going to get used more and more, especially as we have 5G, and the amount of data that can flow through these pipelines increases dramatically. So I think that's a third industry you want to look at. I have some others, but frankly, if you look at telecommunications, uh, if you take a look at e-commerce, if you look at defense stocks, and certainly if you look at pharmaceuticals, I think those industries have very bright futures ahead of them, especially coming out of COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, and I guess just to play devil's advocate or something, on the other side, I've been giving a lot of thought to places that I I, I would like to avoid. I don't know what to, well, I think hospitality's really going to have some big challenges. And, And I wonder about the hotel business. What do you think there? Well, certainly businesses like hotels, cruise ships, airlines, Um, You know, we don't even know yet whether we're going to have a second or even third wave uh, to this crisis. And certainly many of those industries, which really depend on people being crowded closely together. And, you know, can can they actually be profitable in an environment where they have to maintain uh, social distancing. I know the airlines, which makes its money by crowding you into these insanely tight seats like a herd of cattle, and in restaurants where you're piled up against somebody and maybe you've got a couple of feet between you and them, uh, these industries really depend on packing them in. And, you know, if they can't pack them in, will they be profitable? And frankly, I'm not sure they will. And until I'm sure that they will, I've been staying from the sidelines. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, That's a tough call to make. And uh, as you say, the three that you pointed out, the sectors that are likely to do well coming out of this, that's maybe where you should be focusing your attention. All right. If you have a question for the financial coach, by all means, fire it towards us. Let's make money.ca is our website. It'll reach us there. All our shows are also archived on our website, and we thank our friends at CFCW, cfcw.com. If you send an email there, it'll get to us as well. We're back next week with another edition of Making Money. We're going to talk about how you can create a monthly income to maybe make yourself sleep a little bit better at night. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. 
This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.